Sweetie Pie. I told Brother Hamilton I'm supposed to preach now. Good yeah. night. That was special. Beautiful. Beautiful. And um, God's good, isn't he? Humanly speaking, pray for my dad. He's in the hospital again. And uh, uh, several nights ago, he took four nitroglycerin tablets, and the pain didn't subside. And so he drove himself to the emergency room, and they gave him some more and then put him on a drip. And he's at high point now. But uh, uh, when he's in pain, he just grimaces with his eyes closed. When he's not in pain, he's as pleasant as ever. And humanly speaking, I wouldn't be in the ministry if it wasn't for my mom and dad and just their their love for the Lord and love for people. And I grew up that, so that's a pretty special song there. Y'all say a prayer for me if you want to right now. I appreciate it. But anyway, that was special. And um, and that's what we hope, isn't it? We hope that our faith will go from one generation to another. That's our prayer. Proverbs 15, please. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. <clears throat> Verse number 22. Proverbs 15 and verse number 22. Just the one verse will be our text this morning. And I'd like for us to read it together. And of course, out of respect for the Word of God, I'll ask you to stand with me. This will be uh, not the only verse we'll quote this morning in the message, but the only verse we'll read together. And this will be... uh, the text for this morning's message. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 22. And if you would join me in reading aloud together, please. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. The Bible said without counsel, purposes are disappointed. Purposes, things that we purposed to do, things that we... Uh, anticipated doing, planned to do, intended to do. And so uh, these are things that we would expect to do. And the Bible says that there are times when those uh, purposes or those expectations are disappointed. And um, I want to to talk to you about the, the soulish area of your life this morning. Man is made in the image of God as a a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And the body, of course, communicates physically where you're hungry in our bodies or weary in our bodies and so forth. And then there's a spirit part of a man. That's the part that's awakened when you got saved. You who were dead in trespasses and in sins, hath he quickened. The word quickened means to, uh, to bring to life. Hath he quickened. Those who were dead, their spirits were dead unable to communicate with God, unable to understand the things of God. Bible didn't make sense to them. They got saved and their spirit was quickened, was brought back to life. Your spirit died with Adam in the Garden of Eden and you inherited a dead spirit. But when you get saved, your spirit comes back to life. Amen. And that's why the saved man has a new set of desires. Now, unfortunately, he still lives in the same old body. 
And now then those old desires are fussing and fight with the new desires. And so, but then there's another arena in the man's life, and that's his soulish region. Uh, and the soul is that part of a man that where he thinks, where he feels, where he loves, where he hates, where he makes his decisions. And I want to talk about that area this morning. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. Third John 1, 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So we're going to talk about the soul this morning, the soulless region. Many emotions reside in the soul we'll talk about this morning. Hope resides there. Anticipation resides there. Skepticism and cynicism reside there. Along with love and joy, gladness and disappointment. Which is in our text. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. Unmet expectations. Heavenly Father, I beg for thy Holy Spirit's power. Make me a blessing to thy people this morning. Lord, you know my heart is full already. And I'm rejoicing this morning. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help me convey, I believe, uh, Lord, what you laid upon my heart in meditations upon thy word. And, Lord, may that warmth that uh, invaded my soul in preparation uh, invade the souls of those that are here this morning. Uh, and may our lives be richer because of it. May we make better decisions because of it. And maybe, uh, Lord, maybe some uh, need to reevaluate their life and their outlook on life and the, their, the, their soulish health or lack thereof uh, this morning. And I pray you'll help us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Yesterday, uh, we uh, uh, slipped out of the... Uh, reception there, beautiful wedding here yesterday, and uh, to get to the hospital and uh, visit our, our brand new little nephew, the girl's, um, I don't know what that would be, would that be second cousin, something like that, but would be our, no, let's see, if Matthew's my nephew, his son would be my what? I'm a great uncle. You be quiet. Uh, uh, wow, how about that? Anyway, so I'm a great something finally. Uh, so anyway, we, we went to see uh, our great nephew and, uh, and uh, little Michael and, um, and enjoyed that time with him. And, uh, and we thank the Lord uh, that uh, uh, mom, and, mom and baby are doing well. And uh, uh, it wasn't easy to come by, but he's arrived and uh, thank the Lord for that. Uh, he's healthy, and you just pray for uh, mom there, Miss Katie Bell. She's doing well, but uh, you pray for her speedy recovery. And um, but we were rejoicing when we left there. We walked down the hallway to show the girls. Uh, I don't, they'd never seen it before, but a display that's on the wall there in the Randolph Hospital maternity ward. Most of you know these things, a few of you are brand new to us, but uh, our first child passed away at three months of age in 1997. A little girl, we have a little girl, she's 26, I think, in heaven now. And so she's grown up in heaven, and I believe that according to Romans chapter 8, their babies grow up in heaven, and uh, that's my best understanding anyway. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we went to look at that display and to show that to uh, Olivia and Stacy. And there uh, uh, is an article there that the hospital put together and some photographs and things. 
And the Lord opened a door after Abigail passed away. Uh, uh, we had uh, eventually would have a series of five miscarriages as well. And so Abigail uh, was born with a heart disease. She had open heart surgery. And, uh, and uh, the doctor said it was a 90% chance that, she would, uh, that surgery would be successful. And she fell uh, in that 10%. And she lived uh, 23 days after the surgery and uh, went to be with the Lord. And so I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. Are you looking forward to heaven? I'm looking forward to heaven. And, uh, and, uh, and, then, and then it's just a series of, of, of unmet expectations, a series of disappointments. And many of you know about this, and you've heard me talk of this, and I don't mean to linger here long this morning, but just the uh, anticipating, hey, we're expecting, I think of all the ways. I, I, I was a little slow about my wife, you know, she'd try to hint that she was expecting. One time she took me to a, a Chinese restaurant, and she had put in the... Uh, uh, fortune cookie. Uh, she took, uh, evidently you microwave that thing, it gets soft. You could take the paper out and put your own paper in there. And she had done that. And so, uh, and so anyway, so they brought, they, they were in cahoots. She was in cahoots with the wait staff. And she brought, they brought the fortune cookies at the end. And I opened it up. I don't remember what it said. Do you? Doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, but it was a hint that we were going to have another child. And, uh, and I missed the hint. I missed the hint. And, uh, and, uh, and so finally she said, I'm expecting. And uh, sometimes you got to spell it out for us fellas, don't you? Another time uh, she came walking down the aisle in the old auditorium with a, with, a, with a cluster of balloons. Some of you remember that. And just took over the service. And I thought, good night. And anyway, but that was a joyful time. But anyway, through those series of joyful times... There came an unmet expectation. The Bible calls it disappointment. And you've had your disappointment. You've had things in your life that you looked for and hoped for and then met with disappointment. I looked up the entomology of the word disappointment. It's very interesting. Of course, it's a, it a, comes from... It's a, 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 uh, it comes from two different words, if you will. The word appoint, which means to decide, to resolve, to arrange the time of a meeting, etc. And the word, uh, the prefix, rather, dis, D-I-S, means lack of or not. So, for example, we have the word honest, and then we have the word dishonest, meaning the lack of honesty or not honest. Uh, we have the word uh uh, disallow, uh, to allow something, uh, and then to disallow, the opposite, to means uh, actually not allow. And so here we have this word disappointment. Now, an, an, an appointment uh, 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 is, in other words, uh, here is a, a time perhaps has been set or an expectation has been said, hey, uh, you're expecting, you're going to have a child. Oh, there's an expectation. And this uh, appointment in life uh, often is made uh, by, uh, I'm going to introduce some characters in the message. And uh, I want to introduce Mr. Sincerity to you. Mr. Sincerity often makes appointments in our lives. Mr. Sincerity creates uh, expectations in 
our lives. There's another Bible word in here in, in uh, 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 our, our text verse, and that's the word purposes, purposes or expectations. Uh, the Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. A man chooses a path and he has plans and he's sincere in making those plans. Paul talked about in Romans 17, uh, Romans 7 rather, the things uh, that I would. In other words, the things that I intend to do. He had some uh, expectations for his own life, the pattern of his Christian life. He made some purposes. He made some decisions. He made uh, uh, some resolutions. All of us have done the same. All of us have made some sincere commitments in our life. We've made decisions. We've made resolutions. We've made promises. And had we known the future, we might have refrained from making some of those decisions and resolutions and so forth. But we don't know the future, do we? We don't know the future. And so, Mr. Sincerity makes an appointment in our lives. Second thought is that that appointment then creates an expectation. And an anticipation. If it is uh, uh, the kind of appointment that you are looking forward to, then God has given us the wonderful emotion of anticipation. And by the way, that's why you ought not rush through life. Don't, 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 don't rush your way through life. Listen, this world is talking, even if it wasn't wicked and perverted. It, it's wicked and perverted, but even if it wasn't, it's not time to talk to little children about adult things. Even if it wasn't wicked, even if it wasn't perverted. We're, we're, our kids are growing up too fast. And children need to be children. Amen? Amen? Children need to be children. Children don't need to be looking at adult pictures. Little girls need to be playing with dollies still. Amen? Yep. Little, little baby dolls. Amen? Yep. And, 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 and children, little boys need to play with Tonka trucks. Amen? And Lincoln logs. Amen? And dig holes in the backyard. Amen? And climb trees. Amen? And fall out and skin their knees, Amen. And uh, and uh, but 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 we society is pushing on our children, and then and I won't go into it. But there's perverted uh, motives behind all that. But nonetheless, our kids are going up too fast. And 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 one of the one of the mistakes we make in life is we rush things, we rush things, and we miss the anticipation. I told the way yesterday. I was talking, uh, Trenton uh, is, uh, did a good job of. Talking to his, his, his dad and his mom, of course, but his dad in particular and his mom and dad said, you talk pastor too. And, and so he, he was talking with his counselors. And uh, <laughs> he told me uh, uh, in the office right before we came out for the wedding, I said, uh, uh, we were talking just about uh, so forth, how they met and all that. And when he, when he knew he loved her and so forth like that. And he had asked me, he said, you, uh, uh, you know, when, when should I get engaged? And I said, now listen, man. And, uh, and we're trying to hold the reins on him, you know, and, uh, and get the timing right and so forth like that. But he said, Pastor, he said, I made a mistake when I bought that ring as early as I did. He said, that thing burned a hole in my pocket. I wanted to give it to her so bad. And, uh, and, uh, but, but, but he was, he was enjoying something and, and we wanted him to enjoy and for her as well uh, the anticipation listen if you if you don't if you don't pace your life if you don't enjoy every stage of life you'll miss one of the great joys of life and that's the joy of anticipation look if you're 13 enjoy being 13 don't dress like you're 18 dress like you're 13 amen and if you if you if you're if you're <laughs> 
That went over well. This one won't go over so well. If you're 70, don't dress like you're 18. Man, everybody loves granny. Everybody loves granny. Everybody loves Nana. Everybody loves Memo. Right? But Memo who fancies herself 29 in fishnet stockings and... You say, what are you saying? I forgot what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying, listen, enjoy, enjoy the stage of life God has given you. Enjoy where you are in life. And, and, And enjoy the anticipation of it. Listen, oh, listen, young people, listen, don't you fall prey to the lies of the enemy. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. And I I wouldn't hurt anybody in this uh, congregation for the world. And I understand many, many people uh, are, 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 God is blessing you and piecing your life back together. I understand that. But I'm not going to refrain from telling our children the right way to do it. And so please, please put your feelings away. But let me say this. Children, young people, listen to me. Keep yourself pure. Didn't get married. I didn't have children. And by the way, if you don't believe me, talk to a few people who didn't have anybody to teach them that and let them talk to you about how difficult it is when you do things differently than the way God planned. Now listen to me very carefully. God can restore. I believe that. Hallelujah. And this house is filled with folks who have been restored. Hallelujah for that. I thank God for that. But let me tell you something. If, you, if you're not careful, you, you'll miss out when, when, when appointment, when sincerity makes an appointment in your life, uh, uh, and, 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 you, and you get to look forward to something. Don't miss out on that part of life. So Mr. Sincerity makes an appointment. The second thing, an appointment then creates an expectation and an anticipation. And what a welcome friend in life is anticipation. But then, the little D-I-S is introduced into our life. And this appointment comes. Disappointment is when that expectation is not met. Proverbs 13 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. When that desire, when that expectation is met, it, it, is, it, it breathes life into us. But unmet expectations can literally zap the life out of you. In Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6, we have the story of Abraham. He has just come back from, the Bible calls it a slaughter. Abraham had 300, he was a very wealthy man. And he had a household of 300 men. Who served him in quite a quite a business operation, and his nephew Lot, who had reared as his own son, uh, was captured. He and all of his family and all of his things and so forth, and and was taken kidnapped. He was kidnapped, and Abraham armed all of his servants in his house. He said, "Fellas, put your plows away, uh, uh, so forth, and get you a sword, get you a weapon. We're going after we're going after my nephew." And they went after, and the Bible, it was a miraculous. They came and fell upon him at night, unexpected. And the Bible says it was a great slaughter. The kidnappers had not, had not killed anybody by the grace of God. And every bit of it was restored. 
And Abraham comes back after that in Genesis chapter 15. And the very first time the two words are introduced in the Bible. They're there dozens and dozens of times throughout the scripture. But the first time is in Genesis 15. And the Bible said Abraham got back home and God came and said, Abraham, fear not. And I think some of you who have been through traumatic events will understand that. In the, in the middle of a traumatic event, I think about some of our men that have been to war that sit among us this morning. And in the middle of that, those traumatic experiences, your body surges uh, with adrenaline, for example, and, and God gives you uh, what you need to get through that. But how many have come back? Oh, how many have come back? And fear overwhelmed them. And disappointment grows into discouragement and depression. And how many have been taken in an untimely way since they came home? And I think that's why God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, don't be afraid. Abraham was sitting down. Abraham wasn't in the action. Abraham was home and things were quiet. And some, some, some unmet expectation was revealed. That's Genesis 15.1. In Genesis 15.2, you know what Abraham brings up? God comes and said, Abraham, don't be afraid. And Abraham, here's what he brings up. He said, I still don't have a son. You promised me a son. I still don't have a son. I got Eliezer. He runs my household. He's chief operations around here. I still don't have a son. You promised me a son. Now wait a minute. Abraham is at a dangerous place. God knows what's going on in his heart. God came to him and said, Don't let this fear overtake you, Abraham. Be careful, Abraham. Be careful, your, 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 your soulish region right now is uh, 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 the, the uh, uh, grief, the sorrow, uh, the things that you're feeling right now. Be careful right now, Abraham. And Abraham, almost with an angst to God, says, you, you promised me a son and you haven't answered that promise yet. Abraham has an unmet expectation. He said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Jephthah's daughter went through this. Her father, through a rash vow, left her to be a virgin the rest of her life. She would never marry. The Bible tells us that her friends came to bewail her virginity, meaning that she would not, uh, uh, she would not ever marry. I think about this story, and I've told it many times. I'm in awe of it, quite frankly. Mrs. Rhonda Brown, Dr. Larry Brown's wife, Miss Rhonda, she was a widow. Dr. Brown was a widower. Both of them in the service of the Lord. Their spouses served the Lord faithfully for many years. And Miss Rhonda Brown, uh, uh, her and her husband served the Lord faithfully. They were, were, were godly children who have gone on for the Lord or serving the Lord. Uh, but they never owned their own home for years and years. They never owned their own home. And finally, after 25 plus years of, of being in the ministry together, God let them get a little piece of land and they bought a, a, a pre-fabricated house and they were having it set up and they were scheduled to move in the very next week and she was going to finally live in her own home and have her own place. And uh, and she was excited about it. And uh, literally a week before they moved in, her husband dropped dead of a heart attack. And she never lived in it one day. And she was met with disappointment. It was an appointment set, sincerely set. They fully well believed that they would live in the house together, but they never did. Such is life. Such is life. And so Mr. Sincerity makes an appointment. And that appointment creates an expectation or an anticipation. But then this appointment comes. And that expectation is not met. 
So when that expectation is unmet, and when Mr. Disappointment comes knocking, number four, now I have a choice. I have a choice. Appointment was made. Disappointment, not appointment, not meeting an appointment. An appointment created an expectation, a day, a time, if you will, a place. We expect an event in our lives. And we expect, uh, we're anticipating some future joy in our lives. Some of you anticipated a lifetime with your children. They were taken. And disappointment came as an unexpected visitor. And disappointment knocked on your heart's door. Now we have a choice. I can invite disappointment in as a guest in my, my home, the home of my heart. I can ask him to have a seat in the front room. I can say to disappointment, why don't you take my favorite chair? It reclines. Stay a while. I can compel disappointment to stay over for the night as my house guest. Even go so far as to add a room on the back of the house where you can stay all the time. I can call all my friends and tell them about my new house guest. I can even make a t-shirt that announces my new house guest disappointment. I can talk about my new guest. But if I do this, and disappointment moves in with me, and I bring him in as, if, I, if you will, a member of the family, then disappointment will begin to grow up in my house, the home of my heart, if you will. And disappointment doesn't just stay little. We're all amazed, aren't we? How quickly our kids grow up. Disappointments grow up too. And disappointments grow into discouragement. And discouragement eventually grows into depression. And life is dark. And hope and joy seem gone. Sincerity says, let's make an appointment. Let's make an appointment. Our text verse speaks about Mr. Counsel. And Mr. Counsel says, now let's think this through here before we make the appointment. Anticipation says, ha, this is going to be great. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. Skepticism says, yeah, right. And then appointment knocks. Expectation knocks on the door of our heart. And we look out the window and it's... Not who we expected. Cynicism says, you should never have made the appointment in the first place. I hope you've learned your lesson. Don't you ever trust anybody ever again. Hope says, yes, that's disappointment for sure. But that's no reason to shut the world out. Wisdom says, answer the door. Speak to Mr. Disappointment. Be kind, hurt a bit, shed a tear, but don't invite him in. Can I give you some lessons for us? Number one, 
Don't ever stop believing in Mr. Sincerity. Don't ever stop believing in Mr. Sincerity. When anticipation was our friend and filled the atmosphere of our hearts and lives, and we looked forward to the appointed day for the fulfillment of our hope. And then on the day appointed, we find that rather Mr. Disappointment has showed up. The wrong response is to quit believing in Mr. Sincerity. The wrong response is, I'll never make another appointment as long as I live. I'll never expect anything as long as I live. I'll never anticipate anything as long as I live. Now, friend, that's not living. That's not living. Life is a mixture of joy and sorrow. Life is a mixture of anticipation and fulfillment as well as disappointment. The answer to a broken promise, listen to me carefully, should not be, I will never make a promise again. The answer to a broken resolution should not be, I'll never resolve again. The answer to a broken commitment should should not be, I will never uh, make a commitment again. Folks, listen to me. I've been disappointed and you've been disappointed. I have disappointed others. I have been disappointed by others. But I refuse to lose my faith in humanity. I refuse to become a cynic. I refuse to become a skeptic. I refuse to stop believing in people. I am not going to kick anticipation out of my life. I am not going to stop believing in the sincerity of others. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been lied to? How many of you have ever had somebody make you a commitment or promise and they didn't follow through? How many of you have ever had somebody uh, go back uh, uh, on uh, uh, something? They, they made a commitment. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be there. I'm going to fulfill this. I'm going to pay this. And it didn't happen. And disappointment came. And you've got a choice. I'm not saying you should ignore disappointment. Yeah, you can't ignore him. He'll keep on knocking. But tell you what you don't have to do. You don't have to become a cynic. You don't have to believe that now then nobody keeps their promises and nobody does right. And uh, Here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing. Somebody could stay in church for 15 or 20 years and be blessed by the preaching of the Word of God. And somebody they love and respected falls snare, uh, uh, fall to the devil's snares. And in that person mind, in person's mind, every pastor, every church, every Christian is now a fraud. That's a sad place to be in your life. It is a tragedy when a pastor falls, and it's a tragedy when a plumber falls. And it's a tragedy uh, 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 when uh, 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 whoever falls. Can I tell you something? Listen, my dear friend. Listen, listen, listen. Don't you stop believing in people because somebody did you wrong. Don't, listen, don't you project someone else's character on the world at large. I don't know about you. Listen, I want to keep believing in people. Amen. Sometime read over there what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, my dear friend, he had to correct a lot of issues. He called them baby Christians. He called them carnal Christians. He called them uh, 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 divisive. Called them out because some said, well, we follow Paul. We follow Paul. Some said, we follow Jesus. 
They misused the gift of tongues and, 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 and on and on their problems. But Paul wrote to them and he said, listen, I still believe in you. I still have confidence in you. I have confidence in you all. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 2, 3. He wrote, I have confidence in you in all things. 2 Corinthians 7, 16. He wrote of the great confidence which I have in you in 2 Corinthians 8, 22. He wrote in Galatians 5, 10, I have confidence in you through the Lord and to the church at Thessalonica. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. Philippians 1, he wrote to Philemon, having confidence in thy obedience. And Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into, until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I'm not, listen, I'm not justifying. Somebody uh, let you down. Uh, some Somebody disappointed you. Maybe it was a leader. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a Christian. Someone to whom you looked. Listen, my dear I'm not excusing that. But I'm telling you, don't you quit on humanity. Don't you quit on God. Don't you become a cynic. Don't you become a skeptic. You keep believing. Listen, just because you had a bad experience in marriage doesn't make marriage a bad idea. And just because you had a bad experience in church doesn't make church a bad idea. It's still God's idea. He still loves it. He still nourishes it. He still cherishes it. It's still a good idea. And so, sincerity came. Made an appointment. And then, Mr. Disappointment showed up. Number two, let me say this. Don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Of course you're going to be affected by Mr. Disappointment. Of course you will likely grieve to, to an extent. Of course you will shed tears. But don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Don't give him that much power in your life. God made us emotional creatures to feel pain and pleasure, sorrow and rejoicing, expectation and disappointment. And a healthy life includes all of these emotions, listen to me, all of these emotions in measure. The worldly philosophy is that we should never be sad, never be depressed, never grieve. Uh, and this philosophy has caused real problems. And, 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 and I, I'll be careful here, but it needs to be said. Uh, with that has come the idea that we should synthetically mask our emotions to try to stabilize ourselves, forgetting that God the Holy Spirit for a Christian is there to dwell within us and help us to regulate the soulish region of our lives, the emotional region of our lives. On several occasions in our disappointments, very sincere Medical professionals have come to my wife and offered her a prescription. And her answer each time was, thank you, but no thank you. God is giving me His grace. Can I tell you something, my dear? Listen, I'm not trying to be your doctor, but here's what I would like for you to do. I'd like to be your pastor and say, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen, before you, before you try to short circuit some difficult uh, emotion that's in your life, get on your face, get in prayer, get in the Word. Don't try to do this on your own. Listen to me, I, I, maybe there is some help medically for you, but, but listen, it ought to be temporary and it ought, ought not be what you rely on. You ought not rely on the bottle, you ought not rely on dope, you ought not rely on the medical profession. You ought to be on your face and in the Word every day crying out to God like David did, like Abraham did and saying, Oh God, my God, I need you, I need 
you and that God whose spirit comes to live inside of you when you get saved will help to regulate your emotions. Comfort you when you need comfort. Sustain you when it seems like you can't go on any further. Don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Now I say number three. Make sure you give joy and gratitude the biggest rooms in the house. Amen. Hey, you want you want a good house guest? You invite joy and gladness and rejoicing in and give them the biggest space in the house. Amen. The atmosphere, listen, I'm not saying that disappointment won't come to visit. I'm not saying disappointment might at times even grow into discouragement and even grow into a season of depression. But what I am saying is this, listen, don't, don't, don't build a, don't build a room on the back of the house for depression and don't make, don't give, give depression the run of the house and give the, listen, you make joy and gladness the mainstay in your life. And when depression comes and when sadness comes and when grief comes and when sorrow comes, you rush to your cot who sustains us in our grief and sustains us in our disappointment and you spend some time with Him and you deal with Mr. Disappointment but you make sure that joy and gladness is the mainstay in your life. And then lastly, I said don't stop believing in Mr. Sincerity. Number two, don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Number three, give joy and and gratitude the largest rooms in the house. By the way, by the way, before we get to the last thought, don't forget the point of this verse, our text verse. Let me read it to you again. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. Hey, listen, before you make those appointments, check with Mr. Counsel first. You kids, somebody said, well, my parents are trying to control my life. No, it just might be that your parents have learned some things, sometimes the hard way, learned some things. And a little appointment with Mr. Counsel would help you from facing disappointment down the road. Last thought. I said, number one, don't stop believing in Mr. Sincerity. Number two, don't be crushed by Mr. Disappointment. Number three, give joy and gratitude the largest rooms in the house. And then lastly, remember that God always keeps His appointments. You know what a promise is from God? It's an appointment. Amen? It's an expectation. And guess what? God will never disappoint us. Amen? People disappoint us. Yes. I'm, I'm in this message. I'm trying to say don't quit believing in people. Don't quit believing in people. But the finest people you'll ever meet, the finest people I've ever met are human and frail and, and, and we're made out of the same dust that everyone else is made of. Listen, I, 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 I want to believe in people. I want to have confidence in people. But I also realize that I will meet with disappointment when I put faith in people. I understand that. But the greatest thing, the thing that sustains me in the darkest hours of my life is that I have a God who is never missed an appointment. He's never met me with an unmet expectation. He always comes through. God who cannot lie, the Bible says. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, the Bible says. God comes through. I think about Hannah. Hannah wanted a son. And she prayed and promised God. She is misunderstood in her grief and sorrow. Even God's servant Eli misunderstood her. But she said, no, I'm, I'm praying, believing God for a son. And God gave her that son. Amen. And Samuel was greatly used of God. God always keeps his promises.
He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Dr. Vogel stood here Wednesday night a week ago and taught us once more. And I have just the greatest respect for him, not only as an educator, but as a Christian man, the Vietnam veteran, of course. And every man in, every man in this room, if you've not done so, you ought to read his book, Growing Up in Vietnam. We have copies in the bookstore. And uh, when, I, when I got all that book, first time I got all that book, I carried it with me. I got the stoplight. I'd try to read a paragraph while I was waiting for the stoplight to change. Somebody toot the horn. <laughs> i got to put the book down. And uh, it might have been you tooted at me. I don't know. It was one of those books I couldn't put down. Now listen carefully. I remember reading that book, and he tells some sobering things. Uh, how some of his buddies died in Vietnam. And it fascinated me. I thought about Dr. Bogle's life. We were eating breakfast together about five or six years ago. And he said this to me. Uh, he said, Pastor, he said, and it, he, he would have been 70 or approaching 70. He said, Pastor, I'm just now learning to forgive the Viet Cong. That's the communists, the armed communists. That our men fought in Vietnam. All these years later, I've just, I've just, just learning to forgive the Viet Cong. I ridden with him in the car, and I asked him one day, and we and I see his head go like this. I said, Doctor Vogel, what are you doing? He said, It's habit. All this and all these years later, he said, when we come to a clearing, he said, just instinctively. My eyes scanned the tree line because that's where the gunfire would come from. And all these years later, riding down the road, he's like this, like this. I was sitting in the restaurant with my dear brother. I won't use his name in the live stream. But my dear brother in the Middle East, who's done such a great work for God, he's been tortured, many attempts on his life. I sat with him in a restaurant and watched him constantly glancing at all the exits. Having a meal, just instinctively. This is part of his nature. He's met with so many attempts on his life. Everywhere he goes. I'm not here. Abroad, of course, the attempts on his life primarily. But even here, he's on high alert all the time. These men who met with great disappointment are men who love God and love people. And help people. They're not drunkards. They're not on dope. They're not holed up somewhere by themselves. And I'm not being critical. Please understand. I'm just saying those men who went through great trauma have tapped into something that others have not found. And whatever you've been through, my dear friend, if it's pressing you down, if disappointment has become discouragement and discouragement has become depression and you feel a weight on your mind and on your heart and it's like life is crushing you down, I got news for you. There are millions of others like I talked to Tom Vogel and like my brother in the Middle East who have been through horrific things and traumatic things and have been 
endured unspeakable things, but they have a hope and they have a resilience and they have a joy and they still anticipate life and they spend their lives loving people and helping people. Why? Because they tapped into a God whose source never fails. And when the world disappoints and people disappoint and circumstances disappoint, they're plugged in to a God whose promises never fail. My dear friend, life will crush you until you get plugged into Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to be saved today. What are you waiting for? You don't want to die and go to hell, do you? What are you waiting for? I'm going to do, what? That's not my time. That's a dirty lie. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow may not be here. Don't listen to that lie. Somebody, you heard somebody say that. You repeat it. It's not my time. You didn't come up. That didn't come out of the book. You didn't come up with that yourself. You heard someone say it. It sounded good as an excuse to put it off. Don't put it off. You may not be here tomorrow. If you're not saved, get saved today. You get, get plugged into Jesus today. If you're sitting here and you made uh, all kind of professions and things like that, but in your heart of hearts you say, man, I know I'm dying and going to hell. Listen, get that thing settled today. If you're a Christian, you are saved. But your connection to the Lord is Really not very sweet. You're not in fellowship with them. All positionally, you're his child, yes. But you can be a child and out of fellowship with mom and dad, that's for sure. Many are Christians out of fellowship with the Lord. That kind of Christian. Here's, here's a sad thing. Listen, listen to me. This breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. And of all the things I do as a pastor, perhaps this brings tears to my eyes more quickly than anything else. Is to think about so many faithful Christian workers who are on the sidelines. Out of church. I'm, I'm not talking about once one souls to Christ and talk Sunday school classes and rent buses and preach in the choir and play the instruments and on and on and on and on. And they just sidelined. Real disappointments came. But they opened the door. Invited disappointment in. Gave them the best seat in the front room and had it on the room in the back. Disappointment grew up and became discouragement. Discouragement turned to depression. And now then, that choice servant of God is out of fellowship. Would you bow your heads, please?